morning, Journey Church. Oh, it's great to see everyone um, come today and some guests as well. It's good to see all you. Uh, my name is Randy, and uh, I'm excited about today. I really am. First of all, let me go back and build on what Jake said. Uh, man, he is absolutely right. Yesterday, I was so proud of our church. I I'm telling you, I really was. I know if Tony had had the stage today, uh, he would have been bubbling over because uh, Tony did a great job of, of uh, preparing and leading us into this uh, great day of service to serve the city. Uh, it was unbelievable to see people spread out. Uh, God did bless us with a great day. And I'm telling you, you know, uh, th there was a variety of things that were done, but some huge things. I mean, we had, because I'm getting older and I'm, I'm getting smarter, but we had some guys that were up there. And uh, no, it, it was incredible to see that. I mean, some significant things saving our city thousands of dollars but also showing them that we care, you know. And so I was really proud of you guys. I want to thank you all. Everybody participated. Yeah. Uh, everybody who did participate. And, and a lot of you couldn't. I understand that. That's great. And uh, we'll have other things that we'll have, ask you to do. But, uh, but really proud of the church here. Guys, we're beginning a new series today on the Holy Spirit. Uh, last week we finished up a series on uh, parenting uh, parent, called Parent Traps. Talked about peer pressure last week. It was great. Uh, Jake did an awesome job. And uh, if you want to go back, yeah, we're still in the room, maybe somewhere. Uh, but if you want to go back and see that, it's on Facebook Live. You can do that. Now, I discovered something this week I did not know. I got to tell you, I'm still learning about this. But they only last on there about a week and a half, the sermons do. So they uh, go beyond that. You're going to have to go to our webpage and see them, all right, or listen to the messages. But you can go back and catch all of them. Uh, but if you're not able to be with us, you can always go on Facebook Live, and instantly you can watch what's going on as people are doing right now. So hello to those who are out there on Facebook this morning. But today we're going to begin a new series on the Holy Spirit. And I've been excited about this. I've been writing on uh, this series for several weeks now, and I've been really excited about it. And I've got to tell you, you know, preachers and uh, staff, we're kind of quirky, and we like, uh, we like to, you know, have series titles that are kind of catchy and everything. And so somebody said, so why don't we call this, since we're going up to Halloween, why don't we call this Ghost Stories? It's like, wow, that would be really cool, wouldn't it? And we're like, yeah, you know, I don't know. The Holy Spirit's a pretty serious thing. I don't know if we need to be joking around about the Holy Spirit. And we said, really, we're not going to be telling stories. We're going to be explaining who the Holy Spirit is. So we are, we're calling this series The Holy Spirit. Uh, pretty uh, not so original, but just pretty honest with you. And, uh, and I got to tell you, coming up to Halloween, uh, this whole spirit thing, I, I was a small child I hated Halloween. I really did. We did not really trick-or-treat in our community a lot, uh, just kind of how I was raised. But we did have church Halloween parties, which kind of blew me away, uh, which we don't, we don't do that today. But I was terrified as a small child of Halloween. Uh, I would go in, and all these people who were dressed up, I knew them. And they didn't dress up like Bible characters. Back in our day, they were. It was horrifying, and I was scared to death. And then they would take their mask off. Oh, Uncle Larry, hey. <laughs> you know, I just didn't know who these people were. So, uh, so the whole idea of ghosts and everything kind of terrified me, to be honest. Now, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, but when I grew up, we used the King James Version, and it uses the word Holy Ghost, all right? Now, that word is a little bit foreign to us maybe today, uh, but it kind of depends on which version. But we're going to be using a more modern version that uses the word Holy Spirit, and uh, so we're going to talk about that. And I know that some of you all came from backgrounds that probably focused more on the Spirit's movement and the works and signs. And we're going to talk a little bit about that as we get deeper into the series. 
but maybe you didn't. Maybe you came from a church that didn't talk about that at all because it's more common, rather than an overemphasis on the Spirit, it's more common that there be an underemphasis. Uh, again, like Jake said earlier, uh, he, uh, Francis Chan wrote a book called The Forgotten God for obvious reasons. That, and the book's all about the Holy Spirit, and uh, you, sh- you might want to read that and get into it a little bit there. But, you know, we know a lot about God. We, we understand who God is. We know a lot about Jesus, uh, the Son of God. We, we know Jesus and the life is chronicled in the Gospels. But we don't know a lot about the third person of the Trinity, who is the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes that the church maybe has even been guilty of downplaying the role of the Holy Spirit. You know, because we don't understand him, we don't study a whole lot who the Holy Spirit is, and so we kind of play that role down, and the whole idea of, of being a ghost, you know, hearing that in that version, that kind of confuses us too. And so for a few weeks, we're going to talk about that and hopefully help you understand, kind of get us up to speed, and all of us as we seek to learn more about God, this part of God, this third part of the, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to talk about just the presence of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. The week after that, we'll talk about the gifts of the Spirit, which is exciting, the fruit of the Spirit, and then we'll wrap up the series by talking about the filling of the Spirit. What does it mean to live a Spirit-filled life? So I'm kind of excited about jumping into this because, you know, the Holy Spirit is someone that we don't talk a lot about, even in the church. And uh, but the Holy Spirit is mentioned over 800 times in the Bible. So it's not like there's a, you know, just a few mentions of the Spirit in there. In fact, we see Him, and by the way, He is a person, not an object or a thing. So we don't want to be saying it. I hope I don't slip and say that. But He is a, a, a person. And we see Him in the second verse of the Bible. So it's not like we got to get very far in before we begin to see the Holy Spirit moving. Here's what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was all over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So I get this little picture of just darkness and water, and and the Spirit was moving over the water. And, And I don't know about you, but when I think about a lot of water, I think about the ocean and the waves, you know, that were just moving there, the emptiness and darkness, but the Spirit was there. He was already there before anybody, anything, before any creation. This God, Godhead, Father, Son, the Spirit, were already present there. Now, the Hebrew word for Spirit, is, uh, which the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, is ruach, and that means uh, a wind or a breath, like a powerful breath, a uh, blast of breath. Not just, you know, like you blow, like a whisper, but a powerful blast. In the New Testament, the Greek word that's used is the word pneuma, and it also carries the meaning of a powerful wind or current of air. Now, we don't have to think back long to think about that. Last night, I don't know why, kind of weird, but there was an incredible wind. I don't, if anybody was out, it was just an unbelievable wind that just came up out of nowhere. So maybe the Holy Spirit was giving us a, a, a visual picture. It was almost dangerous to be out on the road. Limbs were falling everywhere. This air was blowing. So just kind of get that picture in your mind. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk more about his uh, demonstrating that a little bit later. Now, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come and, and come up on a person. And often it would say, this person was filled with the Spirit. And then it seemed like the Spirit would go away. So there would be a time they would do something powerful, they would speak a message or something, and, and, and all of a sudden the Spirit would be there. For example, the Spirit came upon King David. The Spirit came upon Samuel. 
And he tore down the, the temple of, uh, of the, the pagan god because of his great strength. The Spirit of God came upon King David oftentimes. The Spirit of God came upon King Saul. But then whenever he disobeyed God, the Spirit went away. So the Spirit in the Old Testament kind of came and went back and forth and, and was never present uh, completely and permanently. But in the New Testament, obviously the Spirit of God was upon Jesus frequently, displayed himself there. And we'll talk about some of those cases. But when that happened, when Jesus went, went back into heaven, the Holy Spirit came in power, and he came to be present with us constantly. And we're going to talk about the presence of, of, of the Spirit who is always with us. In the New Testament, remember, the Holy Spirit has descended upon Jesus. A couple of times we see this really obvious. First of all, it is baptism. When Jesus came up out of the water, what does it say that the Father said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then the presence of the Spirit was there in the form of a dove. Remember that? I kind of get my, in my mind the fluttering of a dove's wings, that air that was moving again, that the Spirit made himself obvious there, and he affirmed Jesus as well. After Jesus went into heaven, the Spirit came upon the believers in the form of fire, tongues of fire over their head in Acts chapter 2. And then also, it says, a mighty rushing wind. So we can't separate the wind from this and the breath, kind of uh, uh, the presence of the Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit empowers us today with gifts to live a powerful, strong Christian life, a bold Christian life. He also empowers us with certain fruits that are evidence of His presence in our life, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Those are all things that that come into our life. And so there are evidences, I guess is what I'm trying to say, of the Spirit's moving. Not only coming, but also His presence in our life. And, and we want to be producing that kind of evidence in our own lives. But here's the thing, guys. If we're, we're missing out on a lot, if we don't know about the Spirit's presence in our life, I guess I'm trying to kind of tease you a little bit to say there's something that we may be missing here. And if we're not, we're not aware of the Spirit's movement in our life, then we need to get educated. We need to come to know. Because even those of us who, who know about the Spirit, I think we're only tapping in to a very small part of what God really wants in our life. And so uh, hopefully we will all seek this. We will long for this. There's nothing wrong or selfish about saying, I want more of God's Spirit. That's why I love that song we sang a few moments ago that said, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We want to invite him into our lives as we come to know more and more about him. And I believe that an awareness and a living by the Holy Spirit is the way that we experience that abundant life that we're supposed to have as Christians. You know, the, the, many of us live kind of a life that doesn't, it's not very abundant. And I'm not talking about things. I'm talking about joy. I'm talking about peace. I'm talking about presence of God. That we don't live with that abundant life. And perhaps it's because the Spirit is not a big part of our life. All right? So that's my introduction. Let's jump into some of the Scripture. John chapter 14. There's several places in the Bible, especially in the book of John, where we're going to read about the, the, the Spirit and how the Spirit comes to us. All right? So here we are in John chapter 14, nearing the end of the book, Jesus comforting his disciples because he's told them he's going to go away. I'm going to leave you, is what he's just said. And, and they're afraid and they're saddened and they're confused and they don't know what they're going to do. And so here's what Jesus said to them, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. 
Now, again, Jesus was going into heaven here, and he said, I'm not going to leave you without a presence, without someone like me. I'm, I'm actually going to give you uh, the Holy Spirit. And no doubt he had told them about the Spirit before. This wasn't the first time that he had spoken of it, but, but he's saying the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who maybe you have not known as well, you've not experienced as well, he's going to come and he's going to be with you. He would be an advocate. He would be a counselor for them. And the word that's used here is the word paraclete, which is kind of a strange word, but there's a lot of weird words in Greek, all right? So it's paraclete, which means to come alongside of or to be inside a believer, to come alongside of them, to be present with them all the time, always there with them as they live their lives. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit is also called an intercessor, an intercessor between us and God. He is the one who intercedes on our behalf before the Father. He goes to God because they're all connected there. Never try to separate the Trinity. They're all together. He's also called a comforter, a helper, a friend. There's a lot of different roles that the Holy Spirit has in our life, but these are just ways for us to kind of understand how God wants to be a part of our life. And you know, when the disciples, when they saw Jesus, they saw him as all of those things. He was their friend. He was their helper, their advocate, their counselor, uh, their comforter. He was all those things. <clears throat> but when he said he was going to leave them, they began to see all this dissolve. This one who had been with them, they, they were a little bit terrified. So a little bit later on, here's what Jesus tells them in John 16. Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So actually what he's saying is, you're not going to experience this advocate, this, the Holy Spirit, until I leave you. Not in a permanent way. And, and he says, actually, it will be better for you if I go and the Spirit comes. And I'm sure they're going, there's no way, Jesus, that it could be better than this. No, better, no way to be better than Jesus here. So you have to ask the question, why would it be better if the Holy Spirit were with them than if Jesus was with them? And here's, here's the answer, I believe. Jesus limited himself in certain ways when he was on this earth. The Holy Spirit is not more powerful or better than Jesus. They're all equal within the Trinity. But Jesus limited himself on the earth to one place at one time. So if Peter and John were over here and Andrew and Philip were over there, Jesus were not with both of them at the same time. He would only be with one group. And so, so he said, whenever the Spirit comes, he will be with everyone all the time. There's no limit. The Spirit does not have any limits. He is not in an earthly body. He does not limit himself to place, time, you know, limited knowledge. He knows everything. He is everywhere, every believer all the time. That's why it would be even better to have the Spirit in us than to have Jesus with us. If that Hope that makes some sense there. Now, next week, we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about what he does in the life of a believer. We'll, we'll talk later about the work of the Spirit in different ways there. But today, we're going to ask the question, if we had this great power available to us, then why in the world do many of us live lives that are pretty mediocre, kind of a powerless existence? You know, I, I know that many of us, we haven't tapped into the Spirit. We haven't really live the life that God longs for us to live. And sometimes I think people, even when they give their life to Christ, they're almost disappointed that something else didn't happen, that, that they may be missing something. Or you see another person that seems to be doing, you know, better spiritually, and you wonder, what's going on here? So, so why do we sometimes live a powerless existence? Let me give you a couple of suggestions. First of all, I think sometimes that we're not even aware that there is 
the Holy Spirit, that he exists. I think sometimes there's just kind of an ignorance, a vacuum, a void here. We don't know what's going on. And the reason, I think, is probably the church has done a poor job uh, of the teaching about what the Bible says about the Spirit. Even in Bible times, they didn't totally understand everything. You know, I always thought that in, in Bible times, they surely knew all of the stuff that we didn't know, but there was an ignorance then as well. In, in Acts chapter 19, Paul uh, uh, was on a missionary journey, and it says, Paul took the road through the interior, and he arrived at Ephesus, and there he found some disciples, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered him, no, we'd not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. So here was some believers that evidently had been baptized by John the Baptist into repentance, which is why he baptized. And, uh, and then Jesus began his ministry. They evidently had moved away and moved to Ephesus, which was some distance away. And, and they did not know about Jesus' teaching of the Holy Spirit. And they obviously weren't there on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. We'll talk about that later. And, uh, and they just didn't know. They just didn't know the Spirit existed. And, and sometime today, we can know about Jesus. We can know about God, but not know about the Spirit. Because you don't know what you don't know, right? You don't know what you don't know. Uh, let me give you an example of that. Most of us today have probably flown an airplane. You probably have done that. You know, if, you, if you've never flown an airplane, then you don't know what that's like. But most of you probably have done that. And, and probably most of us, when you travel, like me, you go economy. Right, you go in the crowded, you know about the crowded aisles, trying to fight your way down through there, and you know about the limited overhead uh, storage up there, you know about the lack of personal space, they're, they're making smaller all the time, uh, you know all about the knee in your back and somebody leaning back in your face, you know, you know all those things if you've ever flown on a plane, because like me, you probably have flown an economy. But one time, I got to fly in first class. Um, and someone gave us a trip, very generous, a trip, and they gave us first-class seats, which was amazing. And what I discovered is that there is a big difference in economy and first-class. I mean, big difference. And if you've never flown it, anybody ever fly first-class? Some of you probably, oh, well, you guys know. Well, you guys, you must be wealthy out there if you're flying in first-class. But for those of us who don't know a lot about it, let me tell you what first-class is like. There's a lot more legroom. There's a lot more legroom when you fly in first class. It's really nice, and you can spread out a little bit there. The seats actually recline rather than just like tipping, you know? They, they actually recline up there. There's a lot better food and snacks, really good. They give you real glasses instead of plastic cups or a tin can to drink of up there, you know? And, uh, and they give you little booties to put on your feet. You kick your shoes off. You can actually reach your feet when you're in first class, you know, and you can't do that in economy. And, and then they give you these little hot towels, seriously, little hot towels that you can kind of dab your brow with, you know, when you get sweaty and wash your hands off. And, you know, it's, it's incredible, but you would never know. Why? Because they close a curtain to economy, so you don't know what's going on up there. You don't know what you don't know. And, you know, sometimes as Christians, we live our life, and we don't know what we're missing. We don't. We feel like, well, there must be something, but I don't, I don't know what it is. We're just unaware that there's a spiritual power from God that's greater than we ever could imagine. In fact, the Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to live inside of us. That same power, that's the Holy Spirit's power that does that. But many of us don't know about that. Here, here's the second reason I think sometimes we live powerless lives 
is that many of us resist the Holy Spirit. You know, maybe we have some idea that, oh, okay, there is a Holy Spirit out there, but the Holy Spirit can scare you because you are afraid, if you're normal, what the Spirit's going to do in your life. You don't know. You're, you may be something weird that you don't really want to be on, involved in. You know, the Holy Spirit may not let you do some of the things that you want to do, or the Holy Spirit may force you to do some things that you don't want to do. Or maybe you're just afraid to give up something or to acknowledge some sin, and you really don't want him even meddling in your life. You don't want the Spirit messing with your life. Because you know you can always tell God and Jesus, no, but if the Spirit's inside, maybe he's got more power than that. The Bible talks about us grieving the Spirit, ignoring the Spirit, even quenching the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let me tell you this. If you are a believer, I'll tell you this several times. If you are a believer, you have received the Spirit when, you, when you're baptized. The Bible tells us that, and we'll get into that more. But when the Spirit tells us to say no to sin or say yes to some righteousness that we should be doing, we still have the right to say no. And so we resist the Holy Spirit. But if we're sensitive to the Spirit, we're going to feel led or convicted at certain times. I don't know about you, but there are times when just all of a sudden, out of the blue, something will pop into my mind, like, you need to call somebody. Like, I haven't even thought about that person in a while. Nope, you need to call them. And when I call them, it's almost always like, hey, I was thinking of you, or I'm glad you called, or some little something. The Holy Spirit just has this ability to kind of direct us and lead us. Now, how do we know if the Holy Spirit is leading our thoughts? There's a, there's a real simple rule, kind of a general rule. If it's something that benefits ourselves, it's usually us thinking of it, you know? But if it's something that glorifies God or blesses other people, there's probably the Spirit's leading us into that. Have you ever had a burden for somebody or something that, that you didn't expect or that isn't ordinary for you? Have you ever... Con uh, Convict, ever been convicted very strongly about something, that you ought to do something, or, or started to feel a little bit guilty about something you've been doing that you know probably wasn't the right thing to do. That's how the Spirit works in our life. Now, if we follow the Spirit and let Him lead, He becomes more active in our lives. That's an important thing to know, because the whole idea of quenching and grieving the Spirit, but if we give Him room, He becomes more active. That's what I discovered. The more awareness that I have, the more room, the more freedom I give the Spirit in my life, the more active He becomes. But if we ignore the Holy Spirit, then we start to grieve the Spirit like we were talking about, and at some point, we will not even be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit. It comes to a place where the Spirit doesn't have any effect on us because we've kind of shut Him down, we blocked Him out, we have effectively quenched Him, and we have to avoid getting to that point in our life. But understand that when God gives you the Spirit, He wants you to feel benefited by the Spirit. He wants to help you live a joyful, empowered life. He has a ministry for every believer. He has a lot of things the Spirit does. And in fact, I'm confident that I'm not even close to knowing all the Spirit does. But let me share with you two or three things real quick that I believe that the Spirit ministers to us. They're very clearly in the Bible. First of all, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will comfort us. He will comfort us. Other versions of this say the Father will send another comforter who will live with us forever. That King James or NIV said advocate, but here another version says comforter. So when you're walking through some difficult time, when, you, when you're broken, when you're hurt, when you're sick, when you're grieving, 
God will be with you through his spirit. And he will comfort you through that. When you don't know what to do, when you're hurt, when, when you've been offended, when, when you've been attacked, he will comfort you. He will give you peace through that. He will guide you through that. And I've seen people go through some incredible difficult situations. And they go through it on the outside seemingly with no problem or struggle because they rely upon the Spirit. And so many people this week, someone said, I do not know how people get through life without the presence of God, without the Spirit in their life. And while we don't always know how to say that, we usually say God or Christ, but, but many times I believe that's the working of the Spirit in our life that guides us through and comforts us. The Bible also says that the Holy Spirit will counsel us. He will counsel us. When we don't know what to do, He will guide us and direct us. In fact, one of my favorite verses of Scripture that I have to admit I don't totally understand in Romans chapter 8, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. So maybe there's a time in your life when you're just hurting and you don't even know, you don't know what to ask for because you're confused. You don't know who we're to seek. You don't know where to start. You don't know what to do. You feel like that you're powerless and don't even know what to pray for. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings. He goes before the Father and says, this is what they're trying to say. This is what they're longing for. This is what they need. Will God give them peace and comfort? And so we have this assurance that God's Spirit is only a prayer away, that we go to Him anytime, anywhere, in any situation for counsel and for direction. And then thirdly, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit will convict us. He will convict us. Jesus said this in John chapter 16, and when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So the Holy Spirit's work of conviction in our life starts oftentimes before we actually even become a Christian. In fact, we don't even know what's going on. We, we began to be curious. We began to check out. We began to read the Bible. Maybe we go to church. We began to kind of be around Christian people and have those conversations. And then something begins to move inside of us. I believe the Spirit, uh, we used to call it being under conviction. We don't use the terminology a lot like that anymore. But I believe the Spirit works in us. If we are open, He is the one who initiates the relationship with us and God and begins to convict our hearts to the place that we know that we need to respond to the gospel. And so if, if we see, uh, if we are open to hearing the gospel and we'll give him a little bit of room to work in our life and to speak into our lives, soon the Spirit will pick that up and begin to convict us of our need. And we begin to, to seek and search for what God's may, will may be for our lives. And not only that, I believe that the Spirit has the power to, to, to move us in, in a worship time uh, through a song or a message or a testimony, that, whatever it may be, the Spirit works to move. You know, last week was, was really interesting. I, was, I didn't speak. Actually, Jake, Jake spoke. And, uh, and someone came out, and they said, that was an incredible service, the most moving service I've ever been through. Now, this individual happened to be an older lady, and the message, I know, happened to be on peer pressure of children. And so part of me in my mind was going, okay, I don't know how that message may have moved this lady uh, in, in what she said, but what I believe is the Word of God has the power to move people. Uh, songs, worship, fellowship, the Spirit 
moves. It doesn't have to be a relevant message. Be talking about parents, you don't even have kids. It can move you because the Spirit has the power to do that in our lives. He works to convict us of our sin and also of our need for a relationship with God. So you know what? I think today we've maybe scratched the surface just a little bit of the Holy Spirit, and, and maybe we've said some things that you've never heard before. I hope that it's, it's opening your heart and your mind to begin to see that God wants to do something great in all of our lives. And so maybe this morning, God is moving to convict you through his spirit. I would just encourage you, if you are open to God, to more God in your life, to move on your journey, I would encourage you to do some things, and that is to take some quiet time, some downtime that we rarely ever get when there's, we're not checking our phone, and we're not watching TV, and we're not on a computer, we're not listening to music, we're not, we're not doing anything, maybe just some quiet time. And begin to pray and say, God, I want more of you. I want to listen to you and just say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are welcome in my life and invite him to come in. And maybe this morning you're feeling a, a twinge of something. Maybe God is moving in your life in some way and he's moving to convict you through his spirit. Because keep in mind that the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit always work together. They work in, in harmony because they are really basically one. And maybe the Spirit's moving in your heart to call you to accept Christ. Maybe you might be what we used to call under conviction to say, I know God's doing something in my life, and I think today is the day that I need to respond in some way to do that. We'll give you a chance in just a moment to do that. Or maybe you're here as a Christian, and, and, God, and the Spirit is moving to convict you of a sin in your life. As you begin to search your heart, when the Spirit is in our hearts, He knows what's there. He knows our thoughts and our actions and, and, and our words. He knows all those things, and He's moving to convict you of something that you need to stop doing or something that you need to start doing or maybe something that you just need to acknowledge that it's wrong. You need to confess and repent of it. Or maybe you're here and you are a believer and you admit, you know, I, I don't know that I have any evidence of the Spirit in my life. Those things you talked about, those fruit of the Spirit don't describe me very well. And I, I really want to give him freedom in my life to produce some of that positive fruit. And you know, I, I'm a Christian, but I don't know of any gifts that I have. We're going to talk about gifts of the Spirit that are used for the glory of God, the building up the body of Christ. We're going to, if you don't have any of that in your life, and you maybe it's just time to to give him some space to work in your life. Let me tell you this, again, if you are a believer, you've already got the Spirit, but maybe he's just been shut down over time, or maybe unawareness, or whatever it may be, and you just want to open up your life and let him begin to move. All it takes is surrender and inviting him to come into your life and your heart. And so this morning, we want to give you a chance to respond. Now, when I was a kid, and even not so long ago, we used to always have an open invitation time at the end of, the, of each song. And, and I get that. People sometimes are a little less comfortable coming forward alone. And so I believe that we ought to offer a time of response. So we're going to do something a little different for a couple of weeks. And you've probably seen that we already have communion up here uh, on either side of me. I believe we all should respond in some way. It's not good to set through a message of any topic and walk out and with no response. So, so we're going to ask you guys to to get up and move uh, and come and take 
communion this morning, and you can gather around it as a family or friends or maybe people you don't even know. That's part of the communion is, is horizontal as well as vertical. We're going to ask you to come up in a few moments to respond uh, in sharing in communion, but also I'm going to be available over on the, the far side, and Tony, I'm going to ask if you'd be available on the other side over here. If you want to talk to someone about anything, about anything that may be a burden to you, maybe God's brought something to mind this morning, and you want to share that with someone, or you want to ask someone, or you need some prayer, or you're just seeking, or you're hurting, or you're broken, it doesn't matter what it is. And, and if Tony and I get busy, there'll, there'll, be, there'll be other people that will step up and pray with you, all right? So we don't want to limit it to two people, but, but we want to open this time up for everyone to respond. So this is how we're going to do communion this morning. We invite everyone who is uh, a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a child of God, a part of his family, uh, we have open communion for you, and we just ask, if you would, to come forward and partake of that. Uh, in just a few moments, uh, communion is all about acknowledging who Jesus is because of his sacrifice for us. The Bible says that before his arrest and death, that Jesus took bread, he took a piece of bread, and he took a cup of juice, and he he gave it to his disciples and said, take this in remembrance of me, in remembrance of what I'm going to do for you. And so he gave that to them, and he said, now continue to do this until I come back again. So it is a reminder of Jesus' death on the cross for us and his love for us. And so it's a way that we respond to, to how our relationship with him and to knowing him. And we're just going to kind of combine that with a response to the message time this morning. So uh, I'm going to ask to keep it orderly. I'm going to ask if you would to come up the middle aisles. Uh, these two aisles, just come up, share, and then circle around to the back and come back around. That should keep us from running into each other. But just some time together and to share. And I think it's going to be a beautiful time. So let's bow together as we prepare to, uh, uh, to respond to this message. Father, thank you so much for today. Lord, as, as we come now and gather around the table, uh, Lord, it's not really our invitation as a church. It's, it's your invitation. As you invite people to come and to acknowledge um, a relationship with you, uh, to be reminded of our need and our brokenness. God, we do that by being reminded of your brokenness on the cross for us. Lord, I pray that as we respond as a church family, that there would be joy and, and blessing around the tables God, I pray that we would celebrate what you have done for us, an acknowledgement of your great love. Lord, I pray that if there are people here today who just need to talk or to pray, that they'd have the courage to step out of the line and just, just come over in response to acknowledge that they want more of you or want to invite your spirit in a fresh way in their lives or that, God, maybe you're doing something for the first time, something new in their lives. And they want to talk about it. Lord, we love you and we worship you. God, we come at this time. We pray your blessing upon the cup and the bread. That, Lord, it would be a, a great reminder of your love for us. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.